0: Did you see the
1: style Welcome to the Young IPA podcast. I'm James, this is Pete. G'day everyone. Back in studio, happy about that. Mm. 2nd of June, episode 167. And we've got a show that's got obviously like pretty sad weekend news, so it's mm. gonna be pretty heavy for the first five minutes. And yep. then, you know, once we talk about that and we move on to the interviews with Gideon Rosner and Dr. Bella Debrera, two very, very good friends of the Young IPA podcast. Mm. Uh energy is going to pick up a little, but That's right. obviously there's stuff we need to address, but it's still a good show and I'm looking forward to doing it.
0: That's right. Good, good caveat there from James. Um, so should we kick it off? Are you happy with that?
1: Uh, okay. So here's how I want to kick this off. Okay. Uh, now, Pete, I I have four opinions that I think I can hold at the exact same time, yeah. but apparently the internet says me t- tells me I can't. Okay. Now, opinion number one. Yep. George Floyd should be alive today. And while it took too long, it's good that Derek Chauvin is in jail right now, mm-hmm. the Minnesota police officer. Opinion one. Opinion two, police brutality is a huge issue and people need to know that cops acting badly will be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. So, so far, two opinions. Now, opinion number three, people have the right to gather peacefully in protest and even in time of coronavirus, your First Amendment rights in America or just right to freedom of speech is important. Yep. So far, I think they're all good. Now, the fourth opinion I have is that looting is a crime. Now, that's, yeah. what, that's the one that seems to be people saying, okay, I can't hold all four at the same time. Yeah. But I think I can hold all four at the same time.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's probably what pretty much most people reckon. And it's not just learning as well. It's like the violence that is associated with the learning, which is in certain instances has been absolutely appalling. But um, yeah, no, it's very, you can very much hold those opinions at once, mate. You have my permission. Okay, good. But like, I
1: I don't agree that like a lot of people uh, people are in the camp. Like I know there are a lot of people and hopefully they're listening to this and going like, yeah, so you can't hold all four at the same time. And I do. But- there's now all these debates in America about how, okay, well, you don't understand where the looting comes from or you need to understand who's in the protest and then you have this other thing like all oh, the protests should be dispersed because of the bad actors. Mm. I mean, it's very
0: sad out there. Yeah, exactly right. And that, that, that point about the looting, like, of course, it's not it's not justifiable. I mean, many of the victims of the looting are African-American people themselves and people from other minorities yeah. and we've seen that... Or just small business owners. Like, that's, yeah. that's the great Satan is... Uh, you know, a mum and dad
1: store down the corner.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And it, there's been five deaths and one, and at least one of those was an African-American guy as well. So the victims of this are not, you know, are, um, it, it, it's just no, there's no justifying, no justification for looting and violence yeah. and things like that. So like to, to just talk about what
1: happened. So obviously George Floyd uh, died in the care of Minnesota state police officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the knee on, I mean, we've all seen the footage. Uh, it's really tough to watch, but you've got the knee on the back of the neck protests around america right now there are sixty-two thousand national guard members deployed around the country there's protests in minnesota there's stuff in washington dc right now though it's like they had to dim the lights of the white house to keep the president safe yeah that's crazy Uh, it's in california it's in like um st louis as well like it's it's really i mean it's just a brutal couple of days and it makes you so sad Mm. and Like, it's just tough to talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's an interesting point you make about how brutal these riots are. I think it is important, actually, and I'm not saying these riots aren't that bad or anything like that at all, but riots, race riots happen in America fairly regularly, and these ones, statistically as of now, by the way, we're hoping they don't get any worse, are nowhere near as bad as previous riots. For example, in 63, people died after the Rodney King incident in 1992. 40 people died during the riots, or 40-plus people died during the riots after Martin Luther King was murdered in 1968. Um, So I guess particularly young listeners who are like, oh, my God, I've never... I've never seen anything like this before. All this stuff does happen from time to time in America. It is a pretty crazy violent place.
1: It does. And like, I was talking to people over the weekend and they were like, is this like, is America the most divided it's ever been? And you're not even talking about like George Floyd, you're just talking about like the Trump presidency Mm. and the media and stuff like that. Like, you I mean, America was in civil war for four years, Mm. so, like, technically it has not been the most divided it's ever been, and I'm sure it's been this bad. I mean, like, you talk about Martin Luther King's assassination. Yep. Around the same time was the Democratic National Convention where the riot police got brought in and protesters were being beaten up on the streets. So, like, America's got a history of this, and, you know, we'll get back to what was normal before that, but this is just a brutal reminder of just how angry people are out
0: there. Yeah, exactly right. And I add to that that in the 70s was also a very uh, divisive time under the Nixon presidency. And of course, you had Timothy McVeigh in the middle of the 90s who killed 170, 180 people with the Oklahoma bombing yeah. um, for white supremacist reasons. The other thing about this which makes it seem really bad, which we probably uh, don't have in previous riots, is the technology component of that. So I was on... Sunday night, I was just flicking through Twitter. Pretty, pretty. What a a life that I do lead. I was flicking through Twitter and it just came up this image of this guy getting absolutely bashed by Mm. a mob. And it was so shocking because, you know, I'm lucky enough I don't see stuff like that very often. And in previous riots, I mean, there was stuff, a little bit of the Rodney King riots. People were able to see media of violence taking place. But the technological advances of the last few years bring the – violence into your phone right and people are rightly shocked by that and yeah and you're just sitting in your living room and suddenly you just yeah i mean yeah. uh Perhaps I, there previously
1: i can't look away from them and i should be able to but yeah i've seen an old lady being beaten up outside a store i've seen people on their porch being shot at like uh rubber bullets from police uh, i mean literally just before we recorded i saw a guy with a uh, media camera just get a riot shield in his face like mm. it, i mean i'm not saying that you know like all the violence is on one side, uh, but uh, it's like, it's just so sad. And then the conversation has now moved to like, okay, who's instigating the violence? Now, uh, this morning, uh, our time, Mayor Jenny Durkin of Seattle uh, said, I want to acknowledge that much of the violence and destruction both here in, Se- here in Seattle and across the country has been instigated and perpetuated by white men. And this is where we're at right now. So the debate is I mean, like, there are a lot of people protesting because they're extremely sad about what happened to George Floyd and they want to reform on police brutality. And those are good people and they're executing their uh, First Amendment rights. But the people that are, like, you know, uh, destroying streets, destroying buildings and stuff. And let's take Jenny Durkin at Seattle at a word. And also Minnesota governor said, uh, Tim Walz was saying 80% of arrests were... uh, People from outside of Minnesota, they wind that back, but people on the street told CNN, they're like it's people from out of state coming in and starting riots. So if it is white men, uh, there's now the debate online as to whether or not they're white supremacists or Antifa. Like Trump has already said, like it's a, Antifa is now a domestic terror or is it terror organization. It's not sure, like they're not clear on how he can des- designate that, but That's where the debate is it's like is it antifa is a white supremacy and suddenly george floyd like that's just an afterthought we're all talking about like who's responsible for violence
0: exactly right this is a very serious issue that people should consider and talk about properly and a lot of people are using it for their own ends whether or not you know and there's plenty clearly plenty of antifa knuckleheads who think this is my moment for the you know the revolution's going to come now and you might be talking about this later but there's videos of black people african-american people telling off White people who are, you know, spray painting Starbucks and stuff like that. I don't want to steal your thunder on that point, but that that's really good to see. Uh, if, I mean, how how realistic do you think that white supremacy point is? Do you really think there's white supremacists? Is that I mean, I've sort I of mean, just seen rumours of like, that. Like, again, like who knows what's going on yeah, in okay, the middle of yeah. a riot on the other Fair side enough. of the world,
1: but uh, I don't – I it, it doesn't make incredibly logical sense for white supremacists to be marching alongside Black Lives Matter protesters, yeah. but just for their own m- methods. It does flag. make – a bit more sense for Antifa. But like the problem, the thing for me is that it's now turning into, uh, everyone's screaming at each other. It's white V black or it's red V blue. And no one in a position of power has any incentive to make change. If Minnesota brings in like Minnesota Democrat ruled for 50 years, if they bring in, uh, reform to, make the police, uh, you know, if they bring in reform, it can sort of help Trump so they don't have the incentive to do that. Like we're all now screaming at each other and when someone comes up with a policy reform to make sure what happened to George Floyd doesn't happen again, everyone's going to be like, beat a nerd, this is a culture war, okay? We're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about is it white supremacy or is it Antifa? Like seriously, everyone remember where you're standing right now because next time this happens, you want to remember how quickly you can get back to where you were and like what takes you had because this is going to happen again because nothing's going to get done because everyone's screaming at each other over who, who caused what violence.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. And it's, um you know, people will say things now that they may regret in the future. I think, you know, there is a question about is there systemic race, racism in police forces in the United States? I've sort of, for research for the podcast, I did, you know, a bit, a bit of research and there's actually evidence in both directions. You know, there's a, a study that came out in 2015. It said that uh, fatal shootings that white White officers are not more likely to shoot and kill minority suspects. A 2016 Harvard economist study uh, from a bloke called Roland Fryer published a study that said blacks are 24% less likely to be shot at by police relative to whites. On the other hand, there's a squillion studies about stuff. uh, The one that I read that had 20, that examined 20 million traffic stops, James. So that's pretty uh, in depth that found African-Americans are more likely to get pulled over, more likely to be searched getting pulled over. stuff like that so when they get in a the car they're just more often be pulled over etc 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 and there's squillions of examples of that that's just one example so you know i think it's it's complicated you know the, the, there's problems with the american criminal justice system there's no doubt about that there's things like sentencing uh so many people who are innocent tend to get up end up in jail there's the police brutality which is this instance uh the police in america are very militarized compared to other police forces um so uh, and, and they kill their own citizens in ma- much higher numbers than other Western democracies. Yeah, how about
1: like militarised and are not given the sufficient training? Like I've seen one video which was just, uh, you know, people on their porch were told, go back into your home five times before rubber bullets started flying. Now mm-hmm. you're telling me like that's just... Yeah, uh, if we were in combat and there was a civilian, if we told them four times, then it's, well,
0: we told them. Like, yeah. no, that's not the way you do it. Yeah, exactly right. So, so as a, yeah, there's problems like that. And those problems are exacerbated by class they're exacerbated by the fact that if you're poorer the system is more difficult for you to navigate and of course african-american people are generally poorer than white people in the united states there's obviously lots of poor white people as well but that's the case it's exas- exas- exacerbated by race uh, uh sorry it's exas- exacerbated by class it's whether race makes a different or n- difference or not plus so i can see how that fuels the perception that people are targeted by police uh obviously and there's a The historical reality that african-american people were discriminated by police no one argues that so that fuels the perception as well uh do i think there's actual systemic racism in the american police i don't think that there is systemic racism but i think that the there's a number of factors which fuel that perception, which are completely fair enough.
1: I don't claim to know America's relationship with race. And I'm like, sorry, I'm not going to get into the systemic racism. But uh, are there racist police officers? Sure. There's like racist Definitely. in all walks of life. And, uh, you know, s- step away from race for a second. Does America, like does the world or just any police, like not just in America, uh have a problem with police brutality. I mean, mm. uh, regardless of what race anyone is, if you put your neck, uh, if you put your knee on the back of someone's neck mm. and then they go unresponsive and then you keep it there. Yeah. Like you're just a <laughs> terrible human being and you yeah. should be in jail. Like, and uh, yeah, it's just, I, I know this is loose and I know it's around, but it's like, I've been watching the world meltdown for three days and it's a bit emotional and it's just loose. And yeah, like we've, we've moved on from police brutality to is it anti for is it white supremacy? Exactly And right. nothing's going to change.
0: Exactly right. What we need is a proper discussion about
1: criminal justice in America. What we need is Gal Gadot to sing, imagine. No, <laughs> she should sing 911 as a joke. What's that? I'm not familiar with 911 uh, as a that's joke. Public Enemy. Like 1992, uh, just talking about <laughs> uh, how yeah, the American justice system isn't set up to help black people. That's what Gal Gadot needs to do. She needs yeah. to get her friends around. Where is she now? And sing. Shockingly silent. Yeah. The American celebrities. Apart from Justin Timberlake, who bailed out all the people that were arrested and then was like, maybe not all of them. I yeah. don't know, maybe he's back down. Uh, all right, so that was heavy. Uh, let's talk about restrictions easing in Australia because that's going to make me cheer up. So the main ones i want to run through, uh, right, so j- June 1st, new month, we've got a whole bunch of new restrictions we need to talk about. So there's New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Queensland we're going to get into as well. I'll start off with New South Wales. So pubs and restaurants in New South Wales, we get 50. Uh, then it was pointed out that you could have 50 people at a pub, but not a church, uh, which was a bit odd. Sorry that that was then moved to 50. You could have it a church, uh, leading to one of the great regulations I've ever seen. So starting from June 1st, up to 50 people will be allowed to gather inside places of worship, but strict social distancing measures will ban worshippers from singing. Really? From singing.
0: Mate, that is an absolute... You can script. go to church,
1: but you can't have fun. You can't actually worship. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you, can't do the, like, you can't
0: do the one redeeming part of church for me. Yeah. Which is when Music. there's a bit of a sing song. And uh, they've been talking about when the footy actually eventually does come back, banning booing and stuff like that. <laughs> because it will also, you know, when you boo, you sort of... That's for coronavirus. I've definitely, definitely seen it when I've, you know, just gone nuts at some unparalleled decision, a bit of spray, just sort of... <laughs> yeah, but you know what else is in away. that spray? Truth. Yeah, a bit of bloody truth. And if, well, and the big one, James, is the borders remaining shut. Queensland is still saying they're going to shut the borders as are other states. Yes. Which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, so I won't go into it too much, but I thought we meant to follow expert advice,
1: James. Uh, exactly, yeah. I want to get into that as well. Sorry, the, uh, the Queensland one, yeah, the borders remain shut. Uh, from Victoria. Uh, in Victoria from Monday, you're allowed 20 people in your household at any given time, including members of the household. You can go to a cafe, 20 people out of cafes, restaurants and pubs, as long as social distancing is followed. Uh, church distancing gods as well as 20 people. But Pete, hmm. if you go to work... When you can work from home, if you go to work, on the spot, fine. Really? Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. How come? Because if you can have 20 people in your home, but if someone opens up Microsoft Excel, it's a crime scene.
0: Yeah. Well, look, you're right. There's a lot of inconsistency between these laws, but I think they justify that on the basis that we're not letting you do everything because that will make the virus go more. Yeah, but like if you can have 20 people in your home, but not in your office... And do, yeah. do honest days work? Because if there's 20 people in your home and there's, and there's also 20 people in your office, then the chance of infection doubles. But, but if it's safe, what is, it, what is it about an office environment that means I can have 20 people over
1: to home? But if I, someone opens up Microsoft Excel and someone says, can someone get a quarterly sales report? Hmm. That's a crime scene. This is now an unsafe place.
0: If you work... If, what
1: do you mean? So, if you can have 20 people in your home to socialize, yeah. but if 20 people gather and do work in one room yeah. when, they can't, when they can do it from their own homes, yeah. what's that about?
0: Well, because that means if you're- Are you being sarcastic
1: or are you genuinely defending this one?
0: I'm not. Well, if it's the things about flattening the curve and not overwhelming the health system. Yeah. So if, if say, every 20-person gathering has one person gets infected, yes. which is not what would happen, but just for argument's sake, and then you double that, and then every time you get to work, a person got infected, that's double the amount of people that are infected so they're letting back a little bit yeah so that they don't have a well in the health system but what i don't get is what
1: i think just we're, just, picked one. we're just saying yeah but like why that one i don't know yeah, just say 20 people then you can have go to work but it will double the amount of infection but we have the hospital system that can take on that amount of infection
0: well they're saying that it can't okay well
1: i i th- we're just arguing past each other right now i don't no. know what is I don't know what is magical about a workplace that makes it such a uh, fest... Yeah, (laughs) well, maybe... All right, the other solution I had was that every workplace that has uh, 19 people coming to work just also bring in one barista and when the cops show up just start making coffees and yeah. suddenly needs a cafe. That's fair. That's one way of getting around it. Uh, all right. So South Australia's two-step plan uh, that's been brought forward as well. Cinemas and theatres can now reopen with a 20-person limit. Galleries and museums can also open their doors. So breaking news for the podcast, I am moving to South Australia. Oh, yeah. This is so much better than Victoria and South Australia. Well done for that. Uh, Queensland borders remain shut. We talked about that. I And I'm with you. The idea of uniform health advice is out of the table. Um, there's nothing about the uh, air or geographical location of Victoria that makes it any different to any other state as to whether or not the virus is going to spread more. And if there's more cases in New South Wales than there is in Victoria, I don't see why you can have more gatherings in New South Wales than you can in Victoria.
0: Exactly right. That's what we keep saying down here.
1: Uh, Heroes and Villains of the Week. So this is a grunt the pig freedom snort. And uh, this is the snort that we bestow on people that stand up for freedom. Pete, who is your Hero of the Week?
0: Well, James, it's someone who gets mentioned a lot in the Heroes and Villains, and that is Elon Musk. Mm. Now, it's been a week of bad news. It's been pretty terrible stuff, but SpaceX, Elon Musk's company, has delivered two astronauts to the International Space Station for NASA following a historic liftoff and a smooth docking in. Yet another first for Elon Musk's company. It was an important news for the IPA, which, of course, favours free markets and small government. Uh, It was privately built and owned spacecraft, uh, carried... Uh, astronauts to the space Station. NASA considers this the opening volume in a business revolution encircling Earth and stretching eventually James to Mars. Now, the main thing about this is obviously we love Elon Musk, you know, at a time when we're we're sort of reminded of, I guess the bad things about humanity and the violence and the despair and all that, this is reminds us of human achievement and you know ambition. And amazing things that humans are capable of, James, if they put their mind to it.
1: I have to eat humble pie here (laughs) because I've often said uh, my criticisms of Elon Musk have always been, I also want to go to the moon. So with my respect and admiration from the world. And so now the fact that Elon has been able to successfully launch a rocket, we are now no longer on equal playing field. And I've got a way to catch up.
0: I like the way that you were pretty firm on that. You were like, you know know what, Elon, it's all talk. Yep. And now that it's no longer clearly it's it's no got longer the drop on talk.
1: Me. He's got the drop on me.
0: He's uh, got you covered, mate. But right. anyway, there's still time. You could you could do it uh, one yeah. day. <laughs> uh,
1: I've got a few more records I'm going to buy before I start investing in, into galactic space travel. Now, uh, my like uh, hero of the week is basically, just to bring it back to the start of the show, but anyone in a video from the protest that didn't make me sad, you're my hero of the week. Because mm. there's just been so much sad things out there that anytime I see like genuinely peaceful people protesting or you can see, I mean, uh, running through a few clips off the top of my head, there was, uh, this, you know, anti for protest or whatever, but just someone clearly looting, just, uh, breaking up the, uh, sidewalk is in America. So I can't say sidewalk. And, uh, the rest of the protesters grabbed him, gave him to police and said, look, you know, here's the guy that's doing this stuff. Not the rest of us. It's good because there's such a distinction to make between protesters and rioters. You also had uh, there was a clip this morning. John Bones Jones, the uh, John Bones Jones, the U- MMA fighter, just ripping a spray paint can spray paint can out of someone's hand. Uh, That was good. Killer Mike's speech, uh, we talked about him on the show before with the rapper Killer Mike talking in Atlanta about how you're not going to get anything done if you burn down your own homes or burn down your own city. It's all about Mm. going into a voting booth and getting the right prosecutors in there and getting the right police officers in there. Like, that's how you do it. Uh, You know, there's there's so much sadness in the world right now. So if you are, like, genuinely being peaceful and just trying to say what's on your mind in a peaceful way without breaking into some building and taking
0: a TV then you are a hero I think that's important thing to note at a time like this and there's a couple more examples you know there was a woman who someone was handing out bricks from a car and she grabbed the brick and put it didn't throw it back in the car but put it pushed it back into the car and said you know told them off and a woman who told off people who were spray painting Starbucks and saying that's not helping us we're gonna get blamed for that blah blah so no you're exactly right uh, it's a time when you it's you know the the I guess the, what's the word? The tendency is to focus on the negative thing, mm-hmm. but you know, we should talk. Oh, and of course the, the famous one, the police officer who made the speech to the protesters, because I like and my, my officers have put down our batons, taken their masks off and talked to them. Said, you know, we agree with you. Police brutality is bad. You know, I got a round of applause from the spectators and it was a beautiful thing. And,
1: yeah, yeah and then like uh, before we started the show, sorry, George Floyd's brother just saying like, please stop writing. That's mm. not how you want The memory of my
0: brother, which is well, wow. an important source to hear it from. That's pretty amazing. Going through his time of grief for him to say that. All right, villains, James. Uh, sorry, this is, uh, I'm glad you skipped over the worst part
1: of the show every week, which is uh, the explanation of the villainous. I haven't villain skipped is. over
0: it. I was, I was, uh, I was just about to launch into it. Damn, I shouldn't have seeded <laughs> the ground on that one. Extinction Rebellion fake nudity run, run the tape.
2: More than 300 arrests have been made across Australia as Extinction
0: Rebellion protests enter their sixth day. So we give this because that's obviously a fake nudie run. If you really cared about the earth, you would nude up completely... And we give this to people who have put forward villainy this week. James, who's a villain?
1: Uh, so, the Global Times, which is the English newspaper under the People's Daily in China, have run mm. three articles in three days criticizing the Wolverines, which, uh, you know, a friend of the show, Senator James Patterson, friend of the show, Andrew Hasty, and Kimberlyn Kitching have put together. Uh, there's just Australian parliamentarians concerned about the. Uh, influence that the People's uh, Communist Party in China have over Australian politics right now Global Times if they're running three op-eds in three days about you you're doing well and the fact that they've named James Patterson and Andrew Hasey and Kimberly Kitching I mean you're getting to them and they're trying to intimidate and you know like Universal sign you're doing well is when your enemy is really loudly claiming that you're not owning them
0: yeah yeah. I reckon that's a real feather in James's cap. He's really come on, you know, yeah. James. He deserves a feather in his cap. I think a little bit of that process to go to us as well because you know, we've given him a platform.
1: Well, until the People's Daily call us out, I don't think we can stand on the same shoulders yeah. as the Wolverines. But their next step glory. is getting accused of being Russian spies. Now, that's, yeah. that's when you know you're really making some progress. When yeah. someone calls you a Russian spy,
0: you're making some change. Yeah, that's something for James to look into. Uh, I would point out, James, I've never been called out by the Chinese government. but I, once I Haven't been working hard enough. I once—I've written an article for a newspaper in Cambodia that is now banned. Oof! So, the newspaper's banned, or the article? <laughs> well, the, well, both really. But the newspaper is banned, and not to do with my article.
1: Mm. It's a few years after my article. Well, that's. So, I don't know if you can claim any of that. I'm bit sorry, of a,
0: Pete. Bit of a minor flex yeah. for Pete. I was just
1: on the word minor, but uh, your <laughs> villain.
0: <laughs> I'm really proud of that. Anyway, my villain, Robo James mm-hmm. Robo seven hundred twenty million dollars was incorrectly taken from people, from 470,000 people. Uh, as a result of robo-debt, of course, it was when the government was incorrectly calculating how much people owed the government. They were saying the ATO was using a uh, an IT mechanism, computer, obviously, uh, to work out that the income they were receiving from certain people didn't match up to what Sennelik had for their income and the welfare they were receiving. So as a result, they uh, just hit them with these automatic... Debt notices, basically, from a computer rather than a person. They got the calculation wrong for 470,000 people, and the government sort of swept this a bit under the carpet on Friday night with a press conference, you know, as governments tend to do. And they said that was c- like
1: immediately after the COAG stuff as well. So yeah. everyone's talking about that, and
0: it's like, Psst, yeah, we kind of screwed up, Rabbitette. Robert Rabbitette, Robert sorry. Moving on. Uh, yeah, so there was that, and they said they couldn't apologise for because there's legal proceedings from some of the people that were affected. They said they couldn't apologize because it would affect legal proceedings, which I'm no legal, legal, and I don't know if that's true or not. So I don't want to point the finger, but it's a, it's a weird thing to say. Do you reckon it's true? I don't know. Cause he the, cause <laughs> what would. I, know? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you'd have a view. The, uh, the guy, what's his name? Christian Porter. They were like, he got asked, you know, are you going to apologize? So that's yeah. why. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Sorry, I'll, uh, ne- next time I'll come armed with an extensive knowledge of the Australian legal system. Come uh, prepared, mate. Uh, yeah, and it, to me, RoboDebt is just like, hey, hey, boy, it's been a heavy top of the show, <laughs> but like for so many vulnerable people, like we're talking about people on Centrelink, so these are vulnerable people, and to yeah. get a random message from the government saying you owe this much money. Yeah, thousands, sometimes. S- scary. That, mm. like, that's a scary text to get from people that, you know, might not be able to cough up the money immediately. That might be... Uh, and... You know what? I'm not going to go too far into that one, but there were some pretty sad stories of how people reacted to receiving those things, and I think people know what I'm talking about. But uh, Can I just right. make one more point that Gideon told me to make? Go. Which I forgot to just then. He said he, you've got to make sure I you think this s- is a point you have, Pete, not that someone told you to make. I think you've got to take ownership <laughs> for this one.
0: Credit where it's due. Gideon said you've got to make sure you say that it was their money, and this is another example of the government taking people's money off them.
1: All right, so speaking of Gideon, uh, we've now got our interviews with Gideon and Bella, and the energy's going to pick up, and I'm just going to like. <laughs> it's just it's a sad week and you want to be entertaining and you want to do a good show but yeah it's just you see one too many police brutality videos or rider videos but anyway energy's back up Okay, we now welcome back onto the show. Someone who's been on a fair bit and we love him every time he comes on. Policy Director Gideon Rosner, welcome back. Great
3: to be here with this wonderful new set. This is outstanding. Yes, we're very proud I've of it. I've been at home so much I might crash here tonight just for a bit of variety. You <laughs> <Yeah. know? So laughs> That's important. Like, See so you on the wipe, yiper couch. Look,
1: I like where <laughs> I live and I like the people I live with, but I need a change of scenery.
3: Well, Paul, but you surely you must know that when Airbnb was first a thing, Conan O'Brien actually rented out the set of the uh, whatever a show he was doing at the time on Airbnb. Really?
1: yeah, yeah. I think I saw yeah, one yeah, of those you, videos. Yeah. Now slug. you it, you'd,
0: you'd n- yeah. Bolt's super triggered that he didn't know <laughs> 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 that I didn't get it straight away. That does Cause, hurt because I'm older. Yeah.
1: You know. I, I didn't get a Simpsons reference in a group uh, setting on the weekend, and yeah. I've been thinking about
3: it every day. Since. But it must have been a lousy episode, though. Everybody knows that episode. No, good it was episodes. a good one.
1: It was a good one, and I missed it. It was yeah. getting it was a sloppy in isolation. Yes. Now, Gideon, uh, last week we signed you up. Well, what we didn't sign you up. We instructed people how not to sign Gideon up to something. Absolutely, thank
3: you for that. We're on that point.
1: We just wanted to make sure that well, no one you. else
3: has signed you up for anything. Well, unfortunately, well. I'd love to say that they took your warning seriously and they and I didn't receive any more emails, but sadly that is not the case. That I is I didn't receive emails in the past week. I've gotten oh, still ones from the news and the <laughs> greens and all sorts of other, you know, a few more rags. Some guy signed me up to a porn site. So <laughs> look. Oh, some guy, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, no, no, guy or girl, no. The right, re-socialisation yeah. of oh. Peter Gregory. That is not appropriate you're for this right? podcast, you're, young you're man. You're right. You're right. You're right. It, it could have been somebody of any agenda signed me up to a oh, porn no, that, list. So I remember for, that. Yeah. And, um but to people who are doing it i to paraphrase the prime minister i say <laughs> stop it just stop it i can't be any more clear than that your camera's right there if you want to it get is, down the camera it is not helpful and i have to say it's one of the most disappointing things to come out of this podcast since it was being launched uh, just two odd years ago so i can't be any clearer than that uh okay Sky strong Reynolds words strong words have you
0: received any correspondence from the Tri- association of ottawa or
1: whatever it was uh it was like the Bond University Socialist Alternative in Toronto,
3: Canada. No, amazingly no. Yeah, really? I
1: think maybe the Gideon Love Bolton Pete might have popped up on their spam filters. It's probably not the most uh, some, honest. Some sort of infiltration. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, you know, people out there, stop doing it. Mm-mm. And if you want to go back and listen to How Not To Do It. If you
3: want to know How Not To Do It, yeah, then you guys... This last uh, week. Yeah, thank you. Uh, now, to serious issues.
1: Yes. Uh, the Heretic. Yeah. Runaway hit. Number seven on news and politics uh, in its first weekend, which is yeah. huge yeah. and people are loving it. I loved it. And mm. uh, what's been the feedback like from from your perspective? Look,
3: it's been really good. Um yeah, I mean, the reviews on Apple Podcasts are really, really good now. They're starting to trickle in. There were, there were a couple of people who jumped on early, as they do, to say one star is propaganda and all the rest of it. I mean, you know... It's yeah, a we've seven, got a few of those. Look, it's not the 730 report. It's a report. Well, that's a bad example. They're pretty biased. But, you know, we tell our story about what Peter had went through and, uh, you know, it's been picked up overseas, which is really exciting as well. Uh, a few academics there saying, you know, this is a really good piece of work on academic uh, freedom. So, no, it's been a really, really good response and hopefully it means the more people know... What's going on at campus? What mm. the, a, a, and it resonates with people. They think, well, hang on. The 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 time I was told to shut up, or I was I was charged a appearance fee for some conservative I wanted to bring to campus. You know, that's not just me. This is just endemic in our institutions. So yeah who knows I might uh, have a sequel coming up The Heretic 2 we'll <laughs> where see. can you uh, there are plenty of them where can, obvious bit of housekeeping where can people find it yes on iTunes or Apple Podcasts just wherever you get your podcasts Spotify Podbean YouTube and au forward slash the Heretic, but if you're watching this, you obviously have your own trusted podcast platform.
1: Yeah, it's like wherever you're listening to it, it's available there as well. Mm. And uh, for people that don't know what The Heretic is, it is a behind the scenes look or inside Peter Reed's fight for freedom of speech on climate change. Yeah. So if you want to know about the Peter Reed case and you want to know about freedom of speech on climate change, great podcast. Or if you just
3: like it. those serialist documentary podcasts, like The Dropout or mm. Teacher's Pet and things like I did like get that. a lot of Dropout
1: vibes when I was listening. I was well, like, that, this
3: is good well, stuff. Well, that was what John, you know, because this is the thing about working for at the IPA, John is such an early adopter He came to me I, Listening to the dropout, uh, as we all do on, on those sort of podcasts, and we should do one of these with Peter ridd And I thought, oh, that's a bit of a challenge. But you know, he was right. The, the interviews that came out and the the material it just sort of wrote itself. So definitely worth checking out if I do say something And people absolutely love that stuff. Yeah, like the true crime. Not that this is like a murder or anything. No, but it's a civil case, not a criminal case. But yeah, yeah it's a um, it, it's it's a it's a new way of storytelling and. Mm you know we can we can use it in what we do to talk about you know real issues i mean we it's sort of where where research and and public debate is going you know you can put out pdfs all day long and that's fantastic and we release some wonderful research but storytelling people want to people want to know about the the human story behind a lot of things and peter reid has such an interesting story to tell and there's
1: something you brought up before i was like okay we told our story about peter Reed's case and like in a sense, yes, but in also in another sense. Like what I liked about the heretic was we also sat down with a uh, I'm going to get his job title wrong, but someone from the tertiary education union, yeah. uh, a he was state a really secretary. Uh,
3: the, yeah, the Queensland division secretary. Yeah, that's the one. And it's like I.
1: I know we always play the ball and not the man at the mm. IPA. Like we're all about policy, but it always gives me a bit more oomph to go. Like, okay, we're on the side of the unions with yeah. this. Like, we're with the Teachers Education Union. You should have the academic
3: freedoms. Correct. Well, correct. And I mean, we disagreed on a lot too. Mm. I mean, and I said on the on the show, the NTE officers are not the first place an IPA policy director would go. And we had a great discussion off off, you know, without the recording devices were off about, you know, where he stood on things like casualisation of the workforce and awards and agreements and everything else. And we obviously come at it from a slightly different perspective, but um, you can't fault the NTU on what they do for academic freedom. They are doing what a union should do, which is standing up for something that is not just important to its members, but you cannot be an academic without having intellectual freedom. And they know that. And even though they, most of the members, I'm sure, would disagree with what Peter Reed said, it was very good that... Uh, The NT got behind Peter in such a a big way and he's willing to talk to a guy like me because talking to each other is very important.
1: Yeah, it hurts his street cred as well, like yeah. uh, having the IPA come into his office. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Peter, uh, so Peter Gideon, uh, you were watching last week's federal court hearing, which was the Peter Ridd appeal, yeah. uh, or, or like JCU's appeal of the Peter Ridd case. Mm. Uh, and I was watching the videos he made with Evan, recapping uh, the day's proceedings. They were awesome. You yeah. can go to our social media websites and check them out. Now, was there any new takeaway or thoughts he had in the appeal that didn't come out in the federal court case? Because I know in an appeal, it's basically... Like, as you say in the videos, day one's just recapping what happened last time, and then day two is the facts of the case. So was anything new out of the appeal? Look,
3: nothing was new because, as you said, it was an appeal and and, and another side could really bring new arguments, being an appeal hearing. But I think it was interesting because they were trying... The, this familiar case that I'm familiar with and everybody else is before judges who were more or less hearing it for the first time when I mean, they'd read the court documents and so on. But what was interesting about it was that day one was mostly dealing with matters of law, which is, did Peter have the right to say what he did? What does academic freedom mean? Because it was a provision of his, his EBA, his contract, mm. allowed him to say what, you know, whatever he liked as long as it was an honestly held opinion based on his field of um, expertise, which it is being from the Great Barrier being a expert on the Great Barrier Reef. Um, what was interesting was that the mood of the court and the hearing changed from day one, hearing about these abstract areas of law, to day two when we heard about the facts. We heard about how you know whether Peter had the right or not, which in my opinion he didn't, in the opinion of the lower court, he did. There was still something to be said for the the tyrannical way in which James Cook University handed him out, whether it be the warnings, the censures, the emails telling him he couldn't even speak to his own wife, uh, searching through his emails to find more dirt on him. I mean, there was some really, really um, bad things that happened there, and it was interesting to see, as I said, how the court dealt. Very seemed to be very receptive to those matters of fact. Now, what it decides or not is another matter, because as should be the case, the court didn't give much away. But I, I think I, I detected a, a shift in gears when that stuff started coming out. When can we expect a decision? Oh, um time between three weeks to three months, I would say. I mean, it depends on when the court has the time and the capacity to do it, but. With, I mean, we had, the trial was held over over video link via social distancing, so I think their court lists are quite small. So any minute now, and if we win, great. I have a big celebration. Everybody else has a big celebration, but if we lose, well, then it's on to the high court. Because yeah, for this real? Is, well, I mean, it depends if, if Peter can raise the money to go to the high court. You know, all his, his um, legal fees are crowdfunded. But I think there is a lot of interest in this case, and we'll need to raise a lot of money, but we will, because this doesn't just affect Peter. It affects all of us, not least of all people in our line of work who talk about these issues openly and do go a bit against the grain. And yeah, we get yelled at it and slagged off by people like Friendly Geordies and so on. But... We're getting to him. (laughs) Correct. But there's a difference between being slagged off, which is all a bit of sport and and actually being prevented from saying these things. And, yeah. and how much longer will it be in this country before climate denial carries some sort of civil or criminal penalty? Mm. It yeah, may I'll, sound crazy now, but you never know. I think it's,
1: like, bigger than uh, climate denial. I think if, if, oh, if is. academics out there are told, like, hey, look, being collegiate is more important than getting to the truth of the matter, yeah. then pff, that, that's just, like, turning you back on 600 years of you know, people we, how we've done
3: this. Correct. And mm. to be fair, a lot of academics, so otherwise, you know, wouldn't quite like our stuff on climate, to put it mildly, do support... Not so much us, but they support Peter in this in this fight because uh, you know if, if shutting somebody down because they think that the, the Great Barrier Reef happens to be healthy uh, is a good enough reason, then what about all the other? You know, academics say some pretty out there things. And we criticise it, the IPA. Well, I mean, we do. We yeah. put out audits of campus uh, politics, of, of campus history subjects. And Sex lives like. of convicts. Well, correct. Or like last
1: week, uh, climate change should be added to death certificates.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's a crazy thing to say. But there is a difference between me sitting here on a podcast and saying it's crazy then university administrators stamping it out. Whether we like it or not, we give billions of dollars each and every year to universities to create public squares where ideas are tested there. But it might be bad ideas, but they should be tested with good ideas. Mm. They should not be shut down by campus administrators. So, you know, it's important for us to put our position out there, which is, you know, of course we disagree with a lot of things academics say. They're larger left-wing places. Of course they are. But we may hate what they say, but we should be defending to the right their right, to the debt their right to say it. Because otherwise, why don't we give billions of dollars to universities?
0: They're not as left-wing as they... They're more left-wing than they used to be, though. That's an important
3: point. Uh, Look, I think the difference is... Statistically. Well, statistically. I mean, anecdotally, my observation is this. Now, I went to um, Melbourne Uni 10 years ago, right, Mm. when I graduated, and it was no right-wing... Fortress when yeah. I went there, to put it mildly. I was very much in the intellectual minority, and I was president of the Liberal Club and all sorts of other things. And I knew that, but at least I had the space and the freedom to say whatever I wanted to. You know, I'd, yeah, I'd be chased around and, you know, roughed up a bit and whatever happened on any given day, but I didn't mind that, you know. It was, it was exciting. <laughs> These days, I feel like if I'd said half the stuff I'd said, I'd be dragged to some sort of grievance tribunal uh, and it, and had some trumped up charge of creating an unsafe campus environment mm. and had the book thrown at me. Um, so there is a difference. It's not so much that the... The tone of, I mean, some of the ideas are silly because they just keep going on and on and on to their logical conclusion, but there is a problem, that the crisis really begins when people can't offer up their own views and then it becomes an orthodox, an intellectual monoculture. And again, again I make the and make it 5,000 times, that is completely contrary to what a university should be. We might not like what universities come out with, but that's their job. And if we have intellectual freedom, we might get another 10 Peter Riggs.
1: All right, you've been jumping at the bit for this one. So your (laughs) old mate, Friendly Geordie's made quite a video last week. Uh, Now, a lot of people listening won't won't know who that is uh, and probably won't have seen the video, I would Mm. imagine. But his YouTube channel, I mean, he's got a pretty decent following. he does well. uh, The video is like, uh, I don't like them, but I get the appeal. Uh, So he made a video criticizing Waleed Ali and criticizing you. Now I got about three minutes in and then I decided that my time and resources were better spent elsewhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm not as yeah. across this brief as I probably should be. So maybe Pete, you could take over and fill people in on what I haven't seen.
0: Well, that's a that's, uh, good good passing the buck there, James. No, uh, it was, the thing you mentioned was about Waleed Ali and yeah. Gideon Rosner. The yeah. half of it that I loved yeah. was the bit where he slagged off the project continually, yeah. which was fantastic. So what it is, is he goes into an old... Report that Gideon put mm. out. You put it out, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you put it out. Three years ago. About the CFMEU and about uh, the cost of construction in Victoria. Correct. And then he found this He found this project report about it, which was actually quite favourable towards the report, yeah. which I remember at the time thinking, yeah, that was a the good part on the project. Yeah, yeah exactly. Correct. Uh, and so he talks about how bad the project is because of that, and then he talks about how bad the IPA and Gideon are because of that. Yeah. Um, should we roll a couple of clips?
3: Yeah, why not? He looks like an ugly, fatter version of me if I had an anus for a mouth. I am the caterpillar. All right, Gideon, now you've got your chance to respond I'm not to I'm the him, caterpillar. Well, look, I mean, firstly, I've never minded this guy. I'm actually a bit of a bit of a closet fan of old friendly jewelry, or I was. The thing about him is he's, he's very good at what he does. He's got his YouTube um, clips, which, you know, make a few funny observations and so on. But to me, he's a bit like one of those comedians, and, and I'm sure, Bolt, you... I've observed this as well, being a sort of a fan of the genre. He's one of those comedians who was really edgy and really interesting and really funny and is and he got a few laughs and then his sort of act went on for five years and it's not as fresh anymore. So you can do one of two things. You can either get more edgy and try to push the boundaries more or in some yeah. way reinvent yourself, or you could take the lazy way out and get really woke. Like, you know, Jim <laughs> Jeffries or Amy Schumer, all these people who used to be really funny yeah, and then they word got which uh, witch? Up. It's
1: this weird, I think it's like Seth Meyers came up with it, but yeah. it's the idea that like when you tell jokes, you're not exactly getting the audience to laugh, you're getting them to clap so yeah. that they show, I agree with what's being said up there. Well, that's it's still like,
3: a reaction, a, a, but it's every, not laughing. Every late night comedy show, except for like some of the old greats like yeah. Conan O'Brien. Yeah, like yeah. ironic that it's Seth Meyers James, saying it. Yeah, yeah James and that bloke, he just, sorry? Betuna Advocate? Yeah, it's even happened to Betuna. Betuna used to be a really, really funny Irreverent mm. and it's still got flashes of that, but now it's just it just makes these undergraduate sort of political points. So, anyways, so friendly Geordie's, and and to be honest, I'm glad he made the video because I've been so jealous that he hatcheted such a morale from the ATA now. Reason <laughs> before me, great guy, I love Satcher to death. But I looked at him like, really? Come on, I'm out there doing all this stuff. And at the same well, he time, they just got triggered from that nuclear
1: video where Satcher like destroyed him for half an hour on nuclear energy. Yeah, so he's over that for three for years. Year. Yeah, yeah. He, he
3: got owned by Satcher on a on a um. Change my mind video, and he waited three years just plotting this, you know, mm. twenty minute hatchet. But anyway, so it's come out anyway. So before that, he he slayed me off on Twitter out of nowhere. So, uh, I, four, four weeks after I released the end of lockdown video, which you know got a lot of traction online, he finally yeah, takes noticed. notice of it. I mean, this bloke must sit around eating fish and chips because that's where he gets his news from <laughs> from, from the old newspapers. So anyway, he he tweets something like the most selfish degenerate in Australia is at Gideon Rosner, and I just I know, yeah, I and mean, I've been called by better people. <laughs> Anyway, I get into this Twitter stash with him and he finally agrees to come on the full Rosner when it's launched so he can debate me like a man, <clears throat> sorry, like a person. <clears throat> and then he sort of, private my private messages, tries to crab walk away saying, oh, but I want to, if I'm... Giving you guys a public service, I want you to donate to the CFMEU, and I oh, said, look, look, mate, like, we don't pay appearance we're fees. Than you. <laughs> if we ever pay appearance fees, you can donate to whatever you want. Just come on and debate me. It'll be good content. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for me. But anyway, so I don't know if that'll that'll actually ever happen. But anyway, so in the meantime, he releases this video, and I mean, some of it he just gets completely wrong. He says the project puts me on without a writer of reply, where Dave Noonan from the CFMEU had like a solid 15 minutes afterwards. So as as he should, as he absolutely should, to you know. Say where he thought I was wrong, and then I could go away and say, well, "That's how it should work." Um, but more to the point, he completely misses the entire point of the video. I mean, the the point of the video was not as you know he uh, you know it's not the, the fact that our report wasn't about the fact that construction workers are paid a lot. You know, everybody believes in a, a fair day's work for a fair for a fair day's pay. Um, the point is that infrastructure workers in Victoria are being paid way more than any other, not only another worker, but any other builder. The bloke who comes to build a deck in the backyard of your house does not get paid anywhere near, anywhere near as much as somebody who has the stop-go sign on a Victorian construction project, Mm. you know, uh, and who gets paid $150,000. The point isn't that these people are getting paid a lot. These people are getting paid a lot because their union, which is legally entrenched as a sweetheart deal with Dan Andrews, for these eye-wateringly huge sums because the CFMEU did a lot of campaign, in my opinion, because the CFMEU did a lot of campaigning for Dan Andrews and managed to get them elected. The problem is that we as Victorians are paying way more for freeways and roads and even hospitals and things like that than we otherwise would because of these deals between the big end of town in government and the big end of town in the unions and the big end of town in major construction companies. So Friendly Geordies, he thinks he's anti-establishment. And he thinks he's so irreverent. No, he's he's a cheerleader for the establishment. We are that we are the anti-establishment types, not him. So I think that again, he's he's like the the campus class clown at uni who d- didn't have many intellectual chops. Was good at making a few few interesting jokes, and you know that works for a, for a small audience. But uh, yeah, we do things a bit differently in, around this patch. What did you make at the start of the video
0: of his sort of creepy apology for the United Patriots Front?
3: Um. Yeah, he said he said something like, what, what was it? I've only watched it twice, so...
1: He it was definitely said, yeah, that they're, like, we're more extreme than them. Yeah, we was not too bad. We're I think bad. he went for the joke he was trying to make and then realised there wasn't a whole lot there, but he was too committed yeah. to the joke.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, there was that, but look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that point. I mean, in the sense that... Uh, I've got that a few
1: things wrong with that point. I've <laughs> a lot, I've a
3: lot, don't get me wrong, I have a lot wrong with um, the... Well, I the United Patriots front. I think yeah. they're all revolting. They're all, you know... But at the end of the day, they're a very small group who... The point, I guess, he was making is that, you know, people actually take us seriously and not them, which is A, true. But what he gets wrong, obviously, is that we have nothing to do with that alt-right um, revolting sort of... You know, it, it, but, it, again, it goes to his lack of sophistication, just lumps everybody with the right-wing label into one sort of bucket... And uh, his audience sort of claps their fins together. For sure, I've always thought I'm well
1: overdue for a friendly Geordie's expose on me. Well, I mean, i am a sitting duck, uh, and like he he got the construction video from our YouTube page. I mean, all yeah. our podcasts are on there. Like, I just so what are your tips? Like, come on, I'm Andrew Bolt's son. I'm working at the IPA. I've got a podcast. By, like, um, uh, these are all things he's going to hit I'm, at.
3: I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to have to go with one of these. This seems to set him off more than anything. He makes the this is the other thing. He makes jokes that like mail from Twitter makes on a daily basis, and the number one was the hair. so as much as I love your you know artistic sort of bit alternate, you know you, if you want to get hatcheted by friendly Geordies, you have to have the IPA haircut go to the, the barber that Evan and I go to, and tell them what we sent you. I literally walked into preen out
1: Mount Preen, last week with yeah. a still of Brendan Fraser from the mummy and I said, do do what you need to uh, do.
3: It's, <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be my man Rob from Manhor on uh, Little Burke Street. Uh, Little, got- Little Collins Street, rather.
0: I've got another point that I'd like to make. Yeah. This is where I believe, if, uh, I agree with Friendly Geordie. Oh, yeah. He made the report. He's not re- very friendly, is he? <laughs> no, very, very mean. Very, very mean spirited. Host- hostile Geordie. Yeah. Angry young man. No, but anyway, he did make the point that the report was only eight pages long. Yeah. And one of the pages was blank, and we had another image on the front of the, pa- front of the thing that was also in the back. Yeah. It's not, I mean, eight pa- We
3: normally do not on well, eight pages. You know, you? how long was the Gettysburg Address? I don't know. I how long was the Gettysburg? I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we you know. It's like 150 uh, words. So what I'm going to look that up. Should we have put, you know, oh, we, we made there. our point succinctly. Should we have put it in a 50-page report and wasted all that paper? I don't think that's very environmentally friendly at all. Yeah, there you go. There's yeah, that's just
1: good writing. Say what you yeah. need to say and get the hell out. Correct. Like, don't don't remember right. So how long was the we got Gettysburg? An update on Gettysburg? I
3: mean, that video Open he made up. of me could have been two minutes, 30 seconds, but it went for a whole 10. I reckon it's 138 yeah. words. And it is. Yeah or something well, like
1: 272 yeah, yeah it's so a bit are close to the oh, half.
3: you're only really half
1: there yeah well maybe Lincoln could have trimmed a few parts that's down as,
3: that's as many words as it I take to get warmed up on interviews <laughs> sometimes
1: yeah well I found one that's just, me just making say 82 why the four
3: score into twenty. now yeah.
1: uh so Gideon this year is running fairly long and uh we had a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff that's right, we that for irony yeah yeah exactly so uh got a whole bunch of stuff i want to talk to so maybe yep. you can pick one one of the three topics i had written down yep, and thinking. we can talk about that yep, so yep. the three i was going to talk to it's like latest with, adventure yeah so latest with covid restrictions i don't know if you want to go on around on that mm-hmm. uh the end of coag or the end of indigenous recognition in the constitution
3: look i'll, I'll talk about coag because Ooh. you know a lot's been said yeah because i know this is really sexy this is what people <laughs> listen to a podcast wanting, people yeah. argued about this he pushed so hard for I us mean, to not address this we in could the show. We, we <laughs> talk the we could talk about the fact that people can go to the pub now for the first time in a few months or we could talk about federation and I think <laughs> no so but look it bears going into because there are sort of there's this reaction from the chattering class like oh this is wonderful people are finally going to stop fighting they're going to stop fighting with each other we're going to do things John Roskam actually made this point very well in the AFR a few bit weeks back when he said, no, we want politicians to fight. That's how you get better outcomes. The, the, the battle of ideas within government works very well. If politicians are teaming up with each other for the greater good, it's usually either over... Um, Politician pay rises, which is basically pay, no, which it is. Or alternatively, it's over something that will screw everybody. So I don't know how excited we should be for this. But secondly, this is just like COAG with a fancy name. And the national cabinet, it will mean less accountability because they'll have some sort of variant of cabinet confidence and secrecy for these meetings. It will mean more groupthink because there will be a pressure not to publicly disagree with what this body does. And again, I make the point: we we, we need to. There must be better ways than just getting together once a month to work out how to spend our money dif- better, there is, uh, or indeed worse as a lot of cases, there has to be wholesale reform and that has to be led by the states in defiance of the federal government a lot of the time. This cementing of the Canberra cartel, big unions, big government, big uh, business, it will, again, keep squeezing out uh, small players and, and people who are trying to make the, their way in a free market economy. Do you think that we should give back income, tax powers to the state yes absolutely i do i think that would be and and malcolm turnbull set that cause back you know 20 years when he decided to announce it off the top of his head during the 2016 election in a car park somewhere but the problem with our federation is yeah that, that and this is the problem we're seeing play out in this corona situation we have um federal government's responsible for raising revenue and running the economy that's Generally, what they're seen to be doing. We have state governments that think they're glorified service deliverers. So, if you were Dan Andrews, you think, okay, hmm, I could make the, I could take on a responsibility over the economy and things like that for which the feds pick up the tab, or I could co- focus on keeping the hospital sim- system running smoothly. Now, you can't blame him for wanting to do that. The problem is Dan Andrews has kept it running so smoothly that we have basically nobody in hospitals. Elective surgery has being put off. People have to wait longer for cancer treatment and things like that, or have had to wait longer. It's getting started now. Um, but the economy is completely tanked and much more damage has been done to us than would have been done by this coronavirus. So if states had to raise their own money and had to be accountable to the people in their states on how to raise it, mm. not only would they be more careful with it, but secondly, it would create a competitive dynamic. If you don't like the amount of tax you're paying in Victoria, and God knows it'll probably be a high-taxing area, we can move to Hobart. We can move to the Northern Territory where... You could, where you could have a drink as early as you know mm. a month ago. Trophy with Michael Gunner. Competitive federalism works. Well, we, this this lurch towards cooperative federalism will just mean we're all worse off because governments will be so full of their own magnificence that they're going to try all <laughs> these bold experiments that will fail. Like every government experiment fails.
1: Yeah. To bring it back to Coag, like you and I were texting back and forth about this, and I know this is like an oversimplification, but yeah. if you have a uh, like a cabinet that is ineffective and struggles to pass things and everyone's yeah. fighting all the time, that must be protected at all
3: costs. Yeah, correct. Like
1: that is the, the absence of those things yeah. are not good.
3: Yeah, correct, correct. And and you know, there's nothing wrong with cabinet government. It's a very effective system. But this is this is new. This is some sort of weird, you know, ritualized new. You know, we shouldn't try to reinvent the wheel. You know, let's let, let's let's separate the states, give them their own respective patches, and uh, and say all the best.
1: All right, fair enough. Getting Rosner, policy director here at the IPA. Cheers, Check guys. out the Heretic.
3: Fun. Download it wherever you get your mm-hmm.
1: podcast. So wherever you're listening to this right now, you can also listen to the Heretic if you haven't already. But you should have. Cool. Gideon, thank you so much. Thanks, thanks, guys. Mate. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show, Long overdue, the director of our Foundations of Western Civilization program, Dr Bella Debrera. Welcome back.
2: Thank you. It's been, it's been so long. I thought you'd forgotten me, actually, quite frankly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot <laughs> you for like a week and then I was like, yeah. hang on, Dr Bella Debrera, that, that That's that's a name.
2: That name rings some bells. And it's that so is, nice to be back in the new studio. I haven't been here. I haven't had the privilege. What do you think so of the new set? It's amazing.
1: We're back in the I'm
2: worried the that set. those bricks are going to fall on your head, but... Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: trick of the trade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> Might not be... They're not real. <laughs> Even if they were real, they're still quite unlikely to fall on James's head. But I think you start every interview we have with you with a little bit of sass about how you haven't been on for a while.
2: But, well, this is genuine though, isn't it? I mean, how many months has it been? I don't know. Do Bella has sent me at least many.
0: five emails
1: asking for you to be fired and for Bella to replace <laughs> her. And i got to say, each and every one of them are more convincing than the one preceding it.
0: Well, you know, people get a lot of emails saying that I should be fired. So, <laughs> so
1: get, get in the queue, Bella. Alright, so uh, Bella, we've all been locked down for a while. We haven't seen each other. No, we, us three haven't been in the same room since uh, what like March March. Yeah. March, early March
2: was it early March
1: something like that yes. I, I have a distinct memory of me like w- on the last day just going like this might be the last time yeah. we're all in the same room together <laughs> mm-hmm. for like
0: a while yeah. and I was right I think yeah. it was mid March because I've been thinking Ides of March Yes, I, it was
2: about mid much. <laughs> I just remember saying to someone, see you on the other side.
0: Oh, yeah? yeah.
1: And
2: this is the other side. I, well,
1: that's trippy, man. It yeah, is very That's trippy. crazy. Have you ever looked at your hands? No, <laughs> right. uh, no. Sorry, we've all been locked down for a while. What have you been up to? Like, is there any uh, skills you've been working on, maybe new things, TV shows you've been watching that you want to talk about? Don't um, tell me you've been making
0: sourdough.
2: No, I haven't made any bread. I've made a very bad cake the other day that um, <laughs> nearly killed someone because I forgot to <laughs> sift. Yeah, tell the story. I forgot to <laughs> sift the baking soda, so I don't know if you've ever had a spoonful of baking soda with nothing else. No, sorry, bicarbonate soda. It's yeah. disgusting. Anyway, but like um, lethal, disgusting, no, or just not like lethal? That? Just the worst flavor you can possibly imagine. All oh, right,
1: okay. So when you say you did nearly killed someone, you didn't it, actually. It, no, nearly, it wasn't arsenic. The purposes of all legal <laughs> officers yeah. listening to it this. It
2: wasn't arsenic, but it was pretty close. Um, I haven't been doing any any bread baking. I've been resisting that. (laughs) I haven't been doing any knitting. I've tried to do some jigsaw puzzles. I've discovered that I really hate them. Yeah. So. Crap. um, Um, They really are. The thing with
1: jigsaw puzzles is you already know what it's going to look like.
2: Yeah, it's not a surprise. Yeah, it's but like, you, you can't make they can't make it a surprise. Imagine if mm. you didn't have the picture at the other end. Yeah, it's like and you were just trying to put these pieces oh, together. Yeah,
1: I thought it was going to be this like beautiful uh, landscape, and instead it's Fabio. Like yeah, that it's would Fabio be
2: holding a bunny or something. Yeah, even. that so, would be a
1: good jigsaw puzzle because it's a surprise. Wow! Why surprise.
0: Do, why do jigsaw puzzles get like everyone's fine with jigsaw puzzles, but video games are really damaging? Like a video game is clearly just a better jigsaw puzzle.
2: I don't. I don't think jigsaw and jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> make people maybe violent maybe there was <laughs> they don't go there's no they're very different things maybe the, like because people go
1: like oh video games are destroying everyone's ability to socialize which is how they used to say about like you know books and tv so maybe like hundreds of years ago yeah. people thought that video Ge- games were leading sorry uh, that jigsaw, jigsaw puzzles. puzzles were leading yeah. to youth violence yeah put away the puzzle and go get a life laugh, mate <laughs> <laughs> all right okay that is enough <laughs> messing around we did bring you in for a reason <laughs> And I'm trying to remember what that reason was, but it is good to see. But no, let's get down to business because we want to talk about a new project from the IPA, "Better Red Than Dead," which mm. is an amazing title. So, tell yes. us about the project.
2: I can't take credit for the title; that goes to Renee Gorman, who who's, who came up with that. So, that's absolutely brilliant. Shout out to Renee. Shout out to Renee. Um, so, it's a new book club. I mean, obviously, a lot of book clubs started over this this period because people mm. suddenly realised that there was more to life than jigsaw puzzles or computer games. But we've had we started this before shut down before COVID 19 and then it sort of was put on hiatus for a bit because we weren't in the same place so what we're doing is we're reading a book a month We're slightly behind because of what's happened but we've already done our first podcast which was a discussion of the heart of darkness by joseph conrad which was a pretty intense book to start with mm. but um but why not? I mean, this is, this is the whole point of reading reading controversial books and books that make you think, you know, we don't just read a comic or something. I mean, comics are good, but yeah. you need to read something. Someday. I've always said, like,
1: Heart of Darkness, everyone goes like, oh, it's only 150 pages. It is the densest it's 150 so pages. Dense. It's
2: as dense as the, the jungle that he yeah. sails into.
0: So that was with Generation Liberty uh, Campus Coordinator of Monash, Luca Rossi, yes, Luca Rossi and, and Rossi Generation and Liberty Assistant Theodore Pantelidge. Theodore. Now, we don't want to give... It was an awesome discussion. So I, they're very, it.
2: they're very well read and very, ah. very smart for for. They're so and 20. much better, so, than much, I am. Better. so much better, so much better than I am now. I had no idea when I was nineteen about much, <laughs> and they, they've got such good ideas. They're amazing. So I mean, they made it a really easy discussion because I didn't have to sort of. Yeah. Prompt them really too much. Yeah. They had a lot to say.
0: You didn't have to carry them like you have to carry us when you come on here. Yeah, right?
2: exactly. Yeah. Oh, how am I going to keep this conversation going? Quick, Bella, think of something witty. <laughs> um, quick. Quick. Um.
0: <laughs> so, what was now? You don't want to give away the whole thing, but what was the best bit?
2: Um, or what was a highlight?
0: <laughs> Not the best bit. Just give us the Ooh, best just bit. Just give
2: just give us just give us a rundown of the entire podcast. To, but it was it was really disgusting you know that that we didn't avoid the difficult themes so of it's for people who haven't read the book or don't know anything about it it's a, it's a pretty terrible indictment on um colonialism imperialism what the what the europeans did in africa was just just unforgivable and it's much easier not to talk about it mm-hmm. you know and we talk about you know western civ a lot at the ip about how great it was and how it's given us all these freedoms but there is a very dark side to it mm-hmm. and it's easier not to talk about the dark side but it's very necessary so the fact that we tackled that in the podcast i thought was good because we could have just avoided it nice mm. and I also like the end when when we gave it scores
1: oh I thought you're going to give away the ending of Heart of Darkness and I was <laughs> oh like, yeah no,
2: I also like <laughs> the end when it <laughs> turns out it was all a dream <laughs> yeah well
1: uh so yeah I'm, I'm really keen to listen to that discussion and I know you've got a whole lot of other books and we won't give away the conversations that you're going to have on that but maybe we could talk about I don't know some of the books that were like shortlisted for Better Bed Than Dead and then didn't make it and then we can talk about those sort of books just to give people a flavour of what Dr Bella Deberra brings to the discussion about books.
2: Um, well, I, I actually have to admit that I wasn't in, involved in the, the putting together of the list either. That was um, that was Renee and um, and Theodora. Mm-hmm. So I came in a bit late once the list had been put together. And just basically said, yes, let's look at these books. They sound great. So I can I can't tell you about the ones that we're not talking about because oh, I don't okay. know what was on that list.
1: <laughs> All right, what are you looking <laughs> forward can, to? But I
2: can tell you about the next book, which oh, okay, we, do, well, we can do that. Which is which is an old classic, an old time favorite. It's Jane Eyre.
1: goes to the park. All right, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Right.
2: Could not be more of a contrast to Heart of Darkness.
1: Yeah, a lot really? more gallivanting <laughs> around the English more countryside. More. And
2: and I, I remember reading it at school and being completely in love with Mister Rochester. Really? Yeah, Who's completely Mr. Rochester? in love with Mister Rochester. He's he's the dark brooding Heathcliff of Jane Eyre.
1: As oh. terrifying?
2: He's he's not as terrifying. He's good. a lovely man. Oh, okay, good.
1: So, oh, it's so not he's, like not, he's, he's not like Heathcliff. He's not like Well, he's not like
2: Heathcliff, but he's he's the sort of the, the male he's the male the romantic it's strong. Alright, so male romantic leads <laughs> Which is what you want when you're sixteen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Male romantic lead spectrum from British from like the brooding type. Mm. You've got Heathcliff on one side, yeah. and then on the other side you've got Darcy. Darcy. Sorry, Mr. Rochester's in the middle. He's middle? Yeah,
2: because he's a bit brooding, Yeah, but he's not bonkers.
1: Doesn't hold a knife up to anyone's throat.
2: No. Uh,
1: no. Good. No. Sounds like a well-balanced uh, character. And obviously
2: he has a mad... Well, I, do I, can I give away a bit of the plot? I'm sure people... A are little bit's all right, I think. He has a mad wife in the attic.
1: Uh, um, and, oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and he's still going around <laughs> there being a He doesn't mm-hmm. keep her there, does he?
2: So he's not all good. He's not, you know... He's Very few people he are he in the attic of their own volition. He keeps her there.
1: If someone's in the attic <laughs> it's, not it's usually like she's, not that cool.
2: She's not choosing to live her life out in the okay. attic. So he has a you know a sprawling mansion. Yeah, okay. The wife's in the attic. So your hmm.
0: crush keeps his wife in the
1: attic. Yes. There. Okay. Exactly. There you go. Well, so but that's a reason he's not dust? <laughs> I mean <laughs> right. Heathcliff Heathcliff that is Charles play to Heathcliff. Yeah. yeah. But Yeah. Yeah. This guy's interesting. So, I want to hear
0: more about him.
2: Well, we'll, for, well, when we do the podcast, you, you, you're you welcome to download it along with everyone else and listen to it.
0: Fantastic. Yep. So, so, Bella, now you've written like 15 books, haven't you? How many books have you written? That's Five. a little bit
2: of a, of a, of a
0: I'm
3: of an of exaggeration. am the
2: King of Can I count a children's book as one? Because yeah. that, that was the first one. It was about a clown. Oh, what the clown books? Do? The clown didn't do much. That was the problem. Uh, <laughs> he was super miserable.
1: So very, uh, what do they call it, postmodern He who was a mope.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was delving into postmodernism at sixteen. Mm. Um, I illustrated it, and and it was for four-year-olds. So that was the first one. But then, you know, I sort of expanded my, my repertoire. Yeah. And started writing about the Spanish Inquisition. But that was there was a big gap, obviously, between Marcel the Mope mm. and.
1: Yeah. Now, are, the are you Spanish sad that you wrote your book about clowns that don't do anything before you met Pete and I? and <laughs> had so much more. To work with,
2: it was like a premonition. Put
0: out a second edition
2: in a few years. You will meet two clowns who don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I gotta say, I prefer chump. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Yeah, chump. That's aspirational.
1: We're aiming up to be chumps. (laughs) Uh, Now talking about books at your job, Bella. Like you've done it. You've you've made it. Like this is peak Bella. Is talking about books on a podcast. Yes. Oh yeah. And being paid for the it's amazing doing.
2: And being paid to read them.
1: Yeah. You've done it. and I've, you know, <laughs> I just a, wanted you to reflect on a, the fact oh, thank that you've you. done
2: it. <laughs> but there's a slight, you know, you still feel guilty. You're reading the book in work time. You're thinking, should I Should I be doing this? This feels sort of a little bit too much like a mm. leisure activity. Yeah, <laughs> But it's not. You're being paid to read the books and I have to read them to talk. And I had to read an awful lot of books for my Greg Sheridan podcast, obviously, as well, because it's my new one five favorite books. I don't know if I'm going to be talking about it on this but Go I'm going to anyway. Yeah.
1: Ooh, like, well, you're in charge of the project. Stop we're me just if you mere, want. W- hey, uh, speaking of like the Trump versus Twitter, we're a mere platform, okay? What you say on our podcast, Pete and I can't be held yeah. responsible for, which is good. Good.
2: Yeah. So there's been, oh, look, in answer to your question, there's been a lot of reading in lockdown, but but it's been great, and it's opened my mind to a whole lot of books that that I didn't even know existed. It's mm. it's it's been excellent.
1: Yeah, I made the mistake of picking one really big book and I was just going, mm. like, with Infinite Jest, I was like, it's a 1,000 pages long. Mm. This is the best chance I'm ever going to have to read it without it taking, like, over a year to do. Are you
0: reading Infinite How? Jest? Yes. Oh, you haven't mentioned that yet, I, so.
1: <laughs> Well, you keep telling me, what's that
0: book in your hand? Hasn't <laughs> 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 ever mentioned it? Uh, <laughs> and that? it's
1: just, like, now I've just gone... when Coming out of lockdown and I've got, like, three books to show for it mm. and I feel could have gone the uh, spread...
2: But have you finished it?
1: No, I'm 200 pages to go. Oh, I'm that's, that's really impressive! I'm not allowed to watch 40. I'm not allowed to watch until no. I finish it. So you I've got 10 up. days to read the last 200 and what 40 what pages? They can
2: easily do that. That's all
1: right. I don't know, about this, <laughs> this thing is dense. <laughs> 24 pages. It's like 100. Die. It's like Heart of darkness. It's a thousand pages yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Uh, What else have I got for you? All right. um, Do we have any more things we want to talk about with the book club? I've got no no more book stuff for Bella. There we go. Uh, Sorry, Bella. Another one I want to talk to you about. So University of Queensland have now suspended Drew Pablo for two Mm. years. Uh, Now, while you should absolutely not be suspended from a university for criticizing a government, be it ours or a foreign one, like either way, that's bad. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure we know the full facts of the case with Drew Pablo, so I don't want to get too much into that. But what we do know quite clearly is that universities in australia are a bit too tied to the chinese communist party yes is that what we found that's what we found
2: that's exactly what we found and i think you know this is this is not really about it's about drew but he's just really an indication of what he's exposed is what we've long been suspecting and that you know everyone's seen the, the the amount of um well first of all there's the Confucius Institutes mm. that are still open and still running at the universities, which is a huge problem. And <clears throat> they closed them ages ago in America, and other countries have been waking up to them for a long time, and they've been shutting them down because they are clearly links to the Chinese Communist Party straight from you know headquarters in Beijing yeah. to campus in Australia. Yeah. Um, and as Greg Sheridan talked about on your podcast the other day, we've got industrial-scale spying happening in Australia. Clearly, university is going to be a target... For, for, for this kind of activity mm-hmm. and straight through the Confucius Institutes, um, and so I think the Drew the Drew case is, is interesting because it's finally exposed, it's exposed what we've known all along, um, and and it's exposed just how ridiculous a business model the universities have been operating, which is just relying on <clears throat> one source for their for their income and it's, um and, and an unreliable source because anything could have happened. It just happened to be this um, this pandemic that. That, that turned the taps off, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 worrying that people don't seem to understand what they're dealing with in terms of the Communist Party. Just as we've seen with Chairman Dan, um, <laughs> but it's the same. It's the same sort of um, de- either it's a deliberate. It, they're deliberately ing- ignorant, or sorry, you can't be deli- deliberate. Can you be deliberately ignorant? I've made uh, a
1: lifetime of it. Yes, yes you can. So yeah. so
2: they're either choosing to ignore the facts and just saying and and just looking at the dollar sign, or or they generally believe that. Everybody has the same standard, and, 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 and the and the, the Chinese Communist Party will be operating to their t- to our standards. And I don't know which one which one it is, but and it's operating the
0: dollar. and operating good faith and
2: operating good faith, and clearly one party isn't.
0: That's right. Yeah. And when Greg Sheridan came on the podcast, I think it was last week, he had that excellent quote about Chairman, well Dan Andrews, <laughs> where he said, um, "What did he say? He said, oh, they deal with these inflated.'" Provincial yes. leaders by the yes. thousand, or yes, something. Yes, by the thousands. It's great. I so,
2: so Daniel Andrews is going to be another one that they've they've they've, they've flown out, wined and dined, told that they're special. Um, <laughs> which we all want. Which I we, guess, all want. Yeah, we, want we all want. Of course, we all want that. Special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you know, they've clearly done the same things in these in these universities, and I think it's really, I I you know I I think it's been a good thing to, see, to have all this exposed. I, you know, I don't really know what to say about Drew's suspension from the university. You know, it's clearly. He hasn't lied. He hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't tried to burn the university down. He hasn't—he hasn't done anything objectively wrong. He's been a troublemaker, but what he's said has been true.
1: Yeah. I, I, again, like I don't know but, a whole lot about yeah. it, but yeah, it's just—it has clearly shown that there's, uh, there's a big problem. There is a problem. All yeah. right, uh, Dr. Bella Debrera, better red than dead. Check it out. Coming out uh, in the next few days. Yeah, next few days. Better red than the dead. Can't wait to listen to it and all the other episodes. Dr. Bella Debrera, thank you for coming on.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks, Bella.
1: Okay, uh, last up, we've got three funny stories we want to get into. Now, uh, first up, Q&A Club, my favourite segment. Uh, segment. Everyone's favourite segment. Everyone's favourite segment. I mean, Pete's not fine, Global Edition. Uh, the candle <laughs> burned twice as bright, but half as long. the I've got some good ones this week. Oh, good. Okay, and they come out uh, Now, so we've all had a lot of opinions about what we've seen over the last couple of days in America, and uh, no one's opinion has been more... Um, Incomprehensible than Pete Buttigieg. So here's what he tweeted on the 30th of May. And Q&A clap for the people that don't know is just when someone says just the most vapid uh, knee-jerk, usually left-wing statement of mm. just like complete inconsequential words. Uh, you just want to give that person a Q&A clap because that's the kind of stuff that always does well in Q&A. And I think that's what people are aiming for. People dying is bad. Mm, that's that, the kind of stuff. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful sentiment. Pete, uh, I'm against bad things. Yeah. And again, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so here's Pete Buttigieg tweet. Black lives depend on whether American can be what, it want, what we want to believe it is, what we need it to be, what it could be. Systemic racism is so woven into the fabric of this country, facing it will take action, honesty, listening, and deep, deep change. And for many of us, humility.
3: I just... Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
1: you uh, have you got any idea what he's going on about there?
0: Uh, it's a bit generic. Yeah. I think I'm sort of... I think I know what he... Well, no, nah, I mean, that's... I saw something on Twitter,
1: which was good, which is like, you know, those challenges where you type in like, hey man, last night, I, and then you just hit the middle word on predictive text until you've got the full sentence. Like he just wrote in black lives and just slammed to the predictive text thing until he had 180, like uh, until he hit the character limit for Twitter.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Just buzzwords. Where did he come in? Where did he, where did he bow out of the race? Uh, Just
1: after Super Tuesday. So like he was just sort of. Top five? Top five for sure. Okay. Yeah. Is he and he'll guy? be back. He'll be back. Yeah. That's my call. Uh, all right. So uh, we've got a new segment, Pete.
0: Well, I feel a bit bad that I'm introducing this because you invented this, James, and I love it. And it's called, new. Rep- oh, no, hang on. It's called <laughs> Reports Say. Now, Q&A clap, as we said, is sort of people saying people, it's bad when people die and it gets a round of applause. We've got the other segment that's called Talking Points So Dumb That They're Impressive. And that's sort of like when people say renewable electricity is the form of, uh, the cheapest form of electricity, always my go-to on that topic. Now, this one, I guess, is kind of where those talking points come from because the sort of reports say is a stupid thing that a report says and then it ends up as a talking point.
1: To me, this is a bit indie rock, alternative rock or progressive rock. Mm. Like, it's
0: yeah. just whichever vibe you feel that day, isn't but it? They're all segments of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a good analogy. So this with the Australian Institute had a report that was reported on by the Australian newspaper, uh, is that a conflict of interest? I guess not. Uh, during the week, <laughs> can we give that q and A Q&A clap? Like <laughs> just a golf clap. <laughs> well, they both got they both got Australia in their name, James. A being sunk. You be the judge. Uh, okay, so what they were talking about was the decision from the New South Wales government to freeze salaries for the public sector. Now we know we talked about that on the show last week. They wanted to freeze. Uh, Salaries for the public sector, which go up two point five percent every year in New South Wales, and they wanted to freeze it just for a year to save three billion dollars because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Because James were all in it together, uh, anyway, they, they haven't been able to do that thus far, and they're in negotiations. The Australian, the Australian Institute uh, produced a report that said the decision to freeze salaries across the New South Wales public sector, which will save three billion dollars, will deprive the state's economy of more than eleven hundred jobs. Well, in that case, James. Let's just give public servants a five kajillion percent increase because that'll create heaps of jobs. I like it. So just do it. I don't. This is where the thing. When, Sign it off. It's, when they talk about minimum wage and all that stuff, why do they ever stop at the numbers that they stop at? One hundred.
1: The minimum wage should be one hundred dollars
0: an hour. Oh, but I mean, why, would, why not? Why not hundred million dollars? I mean, if the government has just this, can just give away as much wealth as possible without any consequences? Why stop at one hundred dollars? Why not stop at seventy-five million kajillion?
1: That, that's a good point. Uh, I just like. I just like the idea that, you know, there's people out there at risk of losing their business or are on reduced hours. Mm. And all I want is a sense of equality of sacrifice, like mm. we're, that we're all in this together. And here come the Australian Institute to say, listen to your surf. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need an equality of sacrifice, okay? Yeah. Look at this modeling, all right? Yeah. So go back to your home and wait for us to tell you when you can go back to work because the modelling tells us we don't need a quality of sacrifice.
0: Exactly right. And of course, in case it's not clear to anyone out there, the $3 billion is not just like this $3 billion that the government's keeping. It means they take $3 billion less off people in the community. That's where the money comes from, people. It's not something the government just dreams up. It comes from the people. So rather than government taking $3 billion off the people and saying we're going to spend it on this, it lets the people spend that $3 billion how they see fit.
1: Yeah, in fairness, I think the Australian Institute were talking about like the idea that it's going to be invested in construction, but like... Uh that'd be fair <laughs> all right fair enough oh well sorry I apologise <laughs> uh, last one I've got for you so Anita Phillips who is a TV presenter at, a TV a news presenter at the ABC by CNN BBC Sky Ten, Network like this is blue checkmark Twitter at its mm. best uh, she tweeted out yesterday, I'm predicting there's going to be a lot of Aussie blokes t- drinking beer. And sorry, this came out yesterday when obviously there were changes in restrictions over where and when you could go to a pub. Uh, I'm predicting there's going to be a lot of Aussie blokes drinking beer and knockabout male polys having a cold one on TV news tonight. Probably my least favorite cliche and one that really, truly does not represent the majority of us. Winita, read the room.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Read, read, read the room. Yeah. Like there is n- nothing more majority Australian yeah. than sinking a beer And I'm not saying, like, men and women, all right? It's not just knockabout Aussie blokes. There are plenty of knockabout Aussie women as well dying to get out there and then drink some
0: alcohol. That is what annoys me most about this tweet is the casual sexism. Mm. Have you met any Australian women, Juanita Phillips? Like, they love frothing. Mm. Uh, And the idea that you would say that only Aussie blokes are interested is clearly casual sexism. But the other thing I was going to say about this is I enjoy her honesty because one of my things about snobs in the modern day... Is that they don't realise they're snobs? They think they're really woke, but they're actually snobs. And so Juanita, Juanita is just she doesn't like she knows she's a snob and she's like absolutely just telling everyone about it. So good on her, you know, yeah, fair enough, my bit of honesty. But yeah,
1: in a tough week, going to the pub is the one thing I'm looking <laughs> forward to. Sorry, don't take that away from me either. All right, that is it for the show this week. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's all I've got. Okay, that is it for the show this week. Into my you word document. So to Gideon Rosner and Dr. Debella Debrera for those interviews, and we'll
0: see you guys on Friday. See you later, guys.